I know we're like a week late with this, man, but big deal. Last week, Spotify rap dropped. How's yours looking this year? Uh, any surprises for you in, in the top five? Nah, man. I just listened to the same shit over and over because music is not in a great spot right now. So I just, you know, go back to what I what I like to listen to, you know, a lot, a lot of old Drake, you know, some other rappers and whatnot. And yeah, haven't really uh, diversified the catalog that much. I've done a ton of diversification this year, and I, I don't know if it's like my taste is changing and I just don't like rap as much i don't think that's it because i still do enjoy it but i just feel like this has been one of the worst years in hip-hop for a long time like i was gonna try and name like the top five hip-hop albums rap albums of the year and i'm having a harder time coming up with five good albums to be honest with you i mean you know future the drake 21 album i kind of like the the doug estg album this this new metro booming album is gas but this shit just came out this week like i don't know it's a, it's been a tough year for for hip-hop yeah i mean all all of the big artists have dropped but it's just we haven't had any like up-and-coming young stars in, in the hip-hop space in recent memory like a lot of these artists that we've listened to have you know been around for a while now so it seems pretty boring and dull at this point and some of the albums that dropped this year by those bigger artists in the in the rap industry weren't great so that obviously hurts just the overall landscape but i'm not a music aficionado i don't i don't know anything about that but what i do know is that my, my music taste is not changing i listen to the same thing over and over drake number one and we'll, we'll play a game can you guess my top five artists in order with drake being number one hmm. drake one future two baby three little baby not the baby I know Lana Del Rey and I want to say Travis Scott are, are probably four and five. I'm not sure of the order. Did, did I get the names right? So you got four out of five. Travis Scott is not in my top five. Mm. You got Little Baby right on his placement, but the other ones you got wrong. Is Lana so, two? Lana's two. <laughs> Lana's two because, you know, I got my heart broken this year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, that makes a ton of sense. Little Baby three. Future four and then Juice World five. I mean, oh, come Juice! On. I forgot Juice. Yeah, that's that's my bad. Yeah, because he did drop like an album. I think it was at the end of last year, early this year. So, well, he didn't drop it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody <laughs> dropped it for him. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, um, that's my top five. Pretty standard, if you know me. That's all I listen to is is Drake, pretty much. All right. La last question here how many hours did you spend listening to drake this year so i spent approximately thirty-two thousand minutes listening to drake in 2022 and that's just 000? on that's just on spotify okay that doesn't even include apple music because i'm using apple music right now because it's free so that doesn't even include like listening to her loss or anything for the for the last month so thirty-two thousand minutes of listening to drake point zero 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 one percent of his top listeners bro i have like 25,000 minutes listening to Spotify total this year. <laughs> hey, I listened to a lot of music. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 272 of the DFS Dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover joined as i always am by joey carrion on today's show 
We are going to discuss week 14 in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. We'll take a look at slate specifics, what the Vegas lines are indicating to us about this week. We'll go position by position and discuss the cash game lineup construction and then finish off the show with tournament strategy, leverage, stacks and long shots, everything you need to know to bank a GPP this week. Joey, how are you feeling entering week 14, the final week of the season-long regular season? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited um been a long season you know been a long redraft season uh in three redraft leagues myself uh, we're in two of them together i'm pretty much guaranteed to make the playoffs in all three unless some incredibly fluky things happen that don't go my way so excited about that you know excited to hopefully win a championship or multiple and win some money back you know, after a four-month investment, ROI isn't great from an hourly standpoint, but it is what it is. And you know, we'll we'll get we'll get the best ball uh, tax refund check here coming up shortly as well. So looking looking forward to that. And maybe maybe you know we we can squeak a team through in underdog or DraftKings and and maybe salvage our entire NFL uh, season this year. I mean, God, I hope so. You know, drafters is, is one. <laughs> drafters, drafters was such a huge L. Yeah, you know, la- last year around this time like I started to realize I had some hope like I had some good teams that looked like they were positioned and then obviously got the glory run out to propel me to first in the 555 bank mm-hmm. that 10k flying high coming into this year and now it's just an utter utter disaster drafters is completely chalked I'll be lucky to land you know more than one top 100 team in either of their three tournaments and now for best ball you know on to DraftKings and underdog hoping to just run pure on one of the advancing teams but yeah we'll see how that goes that's all it takes I mean I have a team on DraftKings that has 1900 total points so I mean a very high scoring team that has you know some players on it that look good to me right now like Diggs Waddle I have Pacheco on that team Kenneth Walker Tony Pollard so yeah this is about the time where go through your teams look and see if you got any live ones and honestly just just root for for those teams um at this point so DraftKings might have a chance underdog probably not drafters totally dead well we'll we'll touch on our best ball results when the season closes but right now it's week 14 we got DFS slates to break down let's get into it from a Vegas perspective this week 10 game main slate with seven games early three games in the afternoon from a totals perspective we got one big daddy on this slate Joey Minnesota at Detroit 52 and a half point total clearly standing above the rest of the games on this slate the next closest total is 47 top five implied team totals on the week Dallas 31 Detroit 27.5 Buffalo 26.75 Cincy 26 and a half and KC 26 and a half to split that four or five spot what is your initial read on this slate from a Vegas perspective yeah I mean not too much that looks good to me taking a first crack at it I mean this slate from just an overall game perspective looks horrible in my opinion absolutely um just not too many games out like I would be interested to just sit down and watch even with money on the line so the the premier standout game obviously Lions Vikings a lot of skill talent on both sides of the ball we're definitely going to be talking about pretty much every single player in that game other than that I mean yeah there's just not too much interesting I mean there's good teams on the slate but some of the games environments just don't look too appetizing even for you know the teams with high implied team totals like the bills eagles chiefs etc so we'll we'll have to navigate that you know what this week is this week is a week 
where you where you make your your lineups right you lock them in you stay around you make sure that you're making good late swaps so you stick around through the 1 p.m games and then and then you just dip out for the second slate you know you go do some holiday stuff you go check in with your family your friends and just have a good time because there is a zero percent chance that i'm going to be sitting at home and watching (laughs) carolina seattle tampa bay san francisco or casey denver in that late window just absolutely atrocious games and the vast majority of the 1 p.m games are are dog water too like jacksonville tennessee uh, houston dallas going to be a stone cold blowout i mean really there's like three good nfl games on this slate i think it's just an atrocious slate and the way that that translates in my opinion to DFS is that it's going to be a priority to sort of overload game stack the good spots you know players from Dallas players from Minnesota Detroit maybe some Bengals stuff Bill stuff but other than that I mean this slate is atrocious let's jump into the quarterback position which it's an interesting week for quarterback because this is a slate where we have all of the elite plays at our disposal Josh Allen 8.3 Hertz 8.1 Mahomes 8k flat yet in my opinion it feels like it's the cheaper end that is going to be the range that we're looking at in cash. We have Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff in this game of the week. Kirk 61, Goff 57. Then we have Mike White, who the Jets, you know, clearly trust to throw the ball at an absurd rate. 57 pass attempts last week, and they get a game against Buffalo here where the Jets will have to put up points to stay close. And then Tyler Huntley as well, standing in for Lamar Jackson, who's out for one, two, three weeks. Huntley threw 32 times and ran the ball 10 in three quarters of game action. So pretty enticing if you can get 10 plus rush attempts as a safe projection out of your $5,500 quarterback in cash. A lot of different directions you can go with the quarterback position. What is your initial lean for cash games on DraftKings? Yeah, I think that Tyler Huntley is probably going to be the highest owned quarterback. Um, He's just $100 cheaper than Jared Goff, and he has that built-in rushing upside that we obviously want in our cash game quarterbacks. 10 carries, 41 yards, and a tutty for the Ravens last week, and they don't play any differently on offense with Tyler Huntley in. Huntley is obviously just a dollar general version of Lamar Jackson, right? I still think this Ravens offense is limited from a ceiling standpoint just because of the lack of skill talent on the outside specifically, um, and they just don't have the players for the quarterbacks to hit their ceilings from a passing standpoint. But from a floor and rushing perspective, Tyler Huntley, I think, is going to project a little bit better than Jared Goff in this spot. But Goff, nonetheless, still a great play, 5,600, and could just get propped up by his teammates and by game environment, but there are definitely down games within golf's range of outcomes, especially if the Lions skill position players keep on getting tackled at the one yard line and Jamal Williams vultures every single fucking touchdown. Yeah. That's the concern with golf. So I, I do lean Huntley there over Jared Goff even in that game. And then I think Josh Allen at the top is going to project, you know, as the best quarterback play on the slate every single week. Every time he's on the main slate, he's going to project as the best value. He's going to be owned. He's going to be a top two or top three quarterback in terms of ownership. And really, that's the bill that you have to decide between is, do you want to play a cheap quarterback or do you want to go the expensive quarterback route? You know, this year and years prior, it's been paying up for quarterback has been winning. But Tyler Huntley does look like a a good paid on option this week. Yeah, I mean, I... I think, and we'll get to this throughout the show, but I think that paying up at wide receiver is going to be a priority this week, and I kind of think that takes Allen out of it. It's also different the way that the Bills offense is operating right now compared to earlier in the season when Josh Allen was literally a walking 30 ball. I mean three games under 20 points in his last six, so you've got like a 50% chance roughly that he's going to get you something in that 20 point range, which is 
clearly not worth it at 8300 I believe that I'll be paying down this week, and I do think that it's between Jared Goff and Huntley. It's tough because I think that the game environment is so much better, and the Lions' skill position players blow Baltimore's out of the water. Like, we just got done talking on the Monday recap show about the state of the Ravens' offense, and, you know, Mark Andrews is really the only thing they've got, explaining why Lamar Jackson has been such a bad play, but obviously the price discount is what puts mm-hmm. Huntley into play. It's pretty hard, I think, to get away from a quarter quarterback that you know is going to get 10 rushing attempts at 5500 he's probably the lean in cash and I think that you can play multiple Lions skill players without Jared Goff in cash that might be a route we go we'll talk about Amon Ron Swift as we get to those two positions but Huntley to me is the lean in cash early in the week Joe Burrow is kind of the guy who's like in a weird spot you know, he's priced a thousand or more below the elite plays, but he's been producing like a top tier elite quarterback, obviously sort of lacks the the rushing upside, at least from a base projection standpoint that the other guys have. But I mean, if you watch that game with Cincinnati last week, Joe Burrow was doing his best Lamar Jackson impression out there. Dude had 11 attempts. He had nine in the game before that. I could see that being scaled back with the return of Joe Mixon seeming imminent. But I mean, God, if you're getting, you know, five plus rush attempts out of Joe Burrow with upside of nine to 10, he looks really interesting at 7K with all of his pass catchers healthy as well. Yeah, Joe Burrow, definitely interesting for sure. Um, Definitely not in cash game consideration because of that price. And, you know, his ceiling is extremely high, but I don't think his floor is as high as like Mahomes or Hurts or Allen. And I don't think a thousand, you know, for Mahomes is that much more. So I'd rather just get up to Mahomes in that spot Um, if you're considering like cash games. But nonetheless, great spot for Joe Burrow, um, especially if Joe Mixon is still a little banged up and he comes back and maybe they just go a little bit more pass heavy. But I think you you are playing Tyler Huntley in cash, even on Wednesday. I, I think it's easy enough to say that he is the cash game quarterback this week. Um, and it's probably bad process to get off of Tyler Huntley in, in cash. So Agreed. You know, sort of continuing along with this path of discussion on the Cincinnati Bengals, it's early in the week and we obviously don't have confidence information yet but for running back I do expect Joe Mixon to get cleared it seems like he was very close to getting cleared for game action this past week it's a concussion that he's coming back from which isn't something that should limit him in terms of his return so if he does come back I would assume a full workload for Joe Mixon and the spot is so so good 6900 which is underpriced for Joe Mixon at home six point favorites against Cleveland which is a run funnel defense allowing the second most fantasy points per game to opposing backs this season. I think if Mixon gets cleared and we have no concerns over his workload that he could justifiably be considered the best play at the slate at the running back position. Yeah I mean I I think that he's a good play if he gets cleared. I think maybe the field gravity towards Pollard over Mixon this week for 200 less. Obviously, Pollard is just a fan favorite, and I think that bias definitely plays a factor into ownership, and the, and the matchup is just as good, and who knows if Joe Mixon actually comes back and has a full workload. You know, we, we've seen teams especially in recent weeks with players dealing with concussions and, you know, how the NFL has become a little bit more strict surrounding concussion protocol and whatnot. You know, these teams have limited players coming back from concussions, right? They haven't, you know, allowed them to go out there and have the full workload that they had prior to the concussion, at least not immediately. And Samaj P. Ryan has been good enough to carve himself out a nice role. You know, 21 carries 106 yards last week, average five yards a carry. 
four touchdowns over his last three games. So I don't think Joe Mixon is a smash. I think he's a good play, but I think the conversation really is, are you playing Pollard or Joe Mixon? And I think my lean right now in terms of what I think the field is going to do, not my personal lean, I think the field is going to play Pollard over Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And and the Dallas Cowboys situation is certainly one we have to touch on. The Houston Texans are the only team allowing more fantasy points per game to opposing backs than the Cleveland Browns. Their spot obviously sets up extremely well as 17-point home favorites. The problem, I think, or, or not even the problem, but the conversation is that with Tony Pollard, obviously you have Ezekiel Elliott there, who at this point, a few more weeks removed from injury, is out snapping Pollard on a, on a regular basis. This should be a, a non-competitive game. And Zeke, to me, does seem more suited for those, you know, salt-away-the-game, clock-killing touches that Dallas should see quite a few of in the third and fourth quarter here. Pollard is obviously the more explosive and dynamic back between the two. I just don't see Dallas, you know, force-feeding him a bunch of rushing attempts in a game that they're dominating the way I could see them do that with with Zeke. I mean, I don't know if you would consider Zeke cash viable this week. 15 to 18 touches is a fair uh, projection for him with a target or two mixed in. Do you think that, you know, Zeke's, you know, cash viable at all? And how do you can can, uh, compare Pollard to him this week at 6,700 with the blowout risk. Very strong here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Zeke is a horrible play. 15-plus DraftKings points in, in five straight games. He's been solid from a floor standpoint. You're obviously just getting nothing in terms of ceiling. Whereas with Pollard, you know, you have the big playability you have the ceiling games, you have the better pass catching role. Uh, you could pretty much pencil in Zeke for one catch in yeah. this game, max. Um, whereas Pollard, I think, has the upside of, you know, three, four catches. So I think it's just really a discussion between floor and ceiling, and then obviously price. And the field obviously believes Pollard is the better running back here. The touch projections are close enough to where, you know, one isn't a extremely better play than the other. So do you want to roll with Zeke and take the floor and potentially get, you know, 15 DraftKings points? Or do you want to roll the dice with Tony Pollard for $600 more, but have the access to the 25, 30 point games, which Zeke just does not have in his range at this point in his career? And I think the way that I personally would play it is I'm rolling the dice with Pollard and I'm just betting on his talent and the ceiling that he possesses on a, on a weekly basis to get me there on DraftKings. And then obviously you have some outs to the passing game as well. And, and you know, Pollard, he, he did play a little bit in the end of that Colts uh, Cowboys game when they were blowing them out, which it's probably going to be a similar game to that. So yeah, definitely should be. I mean, I'm kind of not on board with the with the take that it's like Mixon or Pollard. I kind of think you're playing both this week. I agree with you that I'd rather roll the dice on on Tony Pollard because I mean, God, can you just imagine how sick you would feel if you ran Zeke Elliott out in cash and then you know for 600 more Pollard drops a 35 game, which is totally in his range in this spot. I don't want to expose myself to that kind of hurt. So. Yeah, probably in most scenarios, I'm I'm rocking Mixon and Pollard, but it's really the cheaper range that I find things very interesting in this week. You know, 5K sort of players, DeAndre Swift at 5,800, starting to see an expanded role, 14 targets over the last two weeks. Minnesota is allowing six, pe- uh, six catches per game to running back in the third most receiving yards to the position. We could talk about the Bucks guys who are essentially in a 50-50 split right now, but both of them have a very strong role in the passing game, nine attempts and eight targets for Rashad White. Lenny had 10 attempts and seven targets on Monday Night Football. 
Then you got guys like Deontay Foreman, who has four 100-plus yard rushing games in his last six going up against a Seattle defense, allowing the second most rushing yards per game this season. And then I would even toss Zonovan Knight into this conversation at 5,100. He followed out his breakout game two weeks ago with another solid performance, 15 for 90 rushing and five of five targets caught. Quotes from uh, Jets head coach Robert Sala today that Zonovan Knight is going nowhere even with Michael Carter expected to return. So I'm not sure that any of these guys are particularly strong cash game plays, but I think that you could make the case that they're definitely better than an extremely thin pool of 5k wide receivers this week. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this tier of running backs and, you know, how how many of them do you consider cash viable? And is it a three running back week? Sort of a, a myriad of questions there for you. Well, I don't think it's a three running back week personally. I do think that Foreman is the best out of this bunch. Just matchup and opportunity, I think you get the most with that out of Foreman, especially from the opportunity standpoint. I mean, probably going to see 15 to 20 touches, obviously and nothing in the passing game, but his upside is extremely high on the ground. And at 5,400, I think he's going to be a little chalky. Swift is interesting at 5.8. Obviously a three-way backfield, but Swift kind of uh, supplanted himself as the 1A last week at least. We'll have to see if that's sticky or not. You know, I don't want to make bets based on a one-game sample size, but we both agree that Swift is the most talented running back in that backfield by far. And moving forward, he's probably the guy, but we just don't know yet. So a little bit of variance there. Fournette and White, I mean, not too interested. The game environment is just horrible. The matchup is horrible. Staying away from that. I mean, my lean right now would definitely be Foreman or DeAndre Swift as the RB2 and then Pollard or Mick as your other running back and then I personally believe it's a four wide receiver week so interesting we can get into that you know right now essentially but just checking like CMC Barkley not not paying up for running back this week in cash right now I mean the wide receivers are just way better you know in the in the same range so I think you have to prioritize wide receiver this week and that that will make some of these running backs at the top good tournament pivots for sure yeah absolutely and I mean we've both alluded to it several times now but I think paying up at wide receiver is definitely going to be a priority this week and it's because we have elite guys in great spots and I also kind of think that value is very thin at the position so trying to fill out your wide receiver spots with you know elite talents with elite workloads makes a lot of sense to me and no players are better encapsulations of that in my opinion than Amon Ross St. Brown at 7800 and Justin Jefferson 9k flat this is quite clearly the game of the week. Both Minnesota and Detroit are in the top three for yards allowed to the wide receiver position. Both of these guys are elite talents with elite target shares. It's not easy to do this week. I'm not sure if you can reasonably get it off, but I am damn sure going to try to find a way to jam both of these guys into my cash team. So, I mean, A, do you think that's possible to fit both? And, you know, B, do you think that uh, these are the two best plays at the wide receiver position this week? Yeah, I mean... I think that they are for sure. You, and you could definitely fit both. You just might have to make some, maybe a play or two that you're not comfortable with. But we have a pay down quarterback. We have at least one pay down running back, you know, in the, in the mid 5Ks. We'll probably find a tight end that's cheap that, that we could fit once again. So I think it's definitely possible. And like I said, it's a four wide receiver week. So you want to prioritize getting as much floor and ceiling into your cash lineup as you possibly can. Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, two of those uh, players that you probably want to prioritize. But I also think like Jamar Chase is in a good spot, 7.9. I think CeeDee Lamb is going to project uh, pretty good. I think if we go a little bit lower, you have Chris Godwin and Christian Kirk, who I think are 
pretty good cash game plays as well. So there's just a lot of routes you can go at wide receiver. You don't really have to play Justin Jefferson, but he obviously has like the biggest ceiling on the slate at the wide receiver position. And uh, you kind of just want access to that on a game with a lot on a slate with a lot of poor games. But I mean, you definitely don't have to play Jefferson. I don't I don't know if he's going to be like the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. I think that's a Monra, but he, he should be owned for sure. Definitely. I mean, I, I like Jefferson here just because it's such a tightly spread game with a high total. And I, I feel like it just makes more sense to find the money to get up to him over like guys like Chase, Brown, Diggs, and CD, even though they're all great plays with good target shares. I just want to get exposure to this game on a week where there are so few games. Totally going to agree with you that we have to probably make a thin play to make it work. Maybe that'll open up as the week develops at the wide receiver position. I'm kind of looking at the Tennessee wide receiver situation which we'll find out, you know, Traylon Burke status, maybe that opens somebody up cheap. That remains to be seen in the mid-range. You know, you mentioned Chris Godwin, 6,700. Dude gets double-digit targets every single week. He looks pretty good. Christian Kirk gets a $300 price bump, but he's in a smash spot again. I would want to wait to see on the status of Trevor Lawrence, who missed practice on Wednesday, is considered day-to-day. I don't I don't think I would play Kirk without Trevor there. You know, Tyler Lockett, 6,500. He's about as consistent as it gets. How do you feel about the the mid-range? Are there any of these guys that stand out above the rest to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're all pretty similar. I think they're all very good plays, and you could definitely uh, go that route for sure. But if you're prioritizing like a Monra, Chase, or Jefferson, or two of those guys, you're probably going to have to find two cheap wide receivers, which will just take you out of that range. So I think... In cash, Garrett Wilson is going to be popular once again, 5,900. I mean, everybody's just on the Garrett Wilson train for sure. On the road, but in Buffalo, I think that game could easily go over its total uh, with, with the skill talent on both teams. I think that he is going to be one of the highest owned players. And then at the cheap end, personally, there's not much that I'm seeing right now that I like for cash. I mean, if I had to say a player or two that I think could be owned, you know, in the low 4Ks is probably the range that you're going to be in. It's Nico Collins. Once again, 4,400. Saw 10 targets last week against the Browns. I mean, obviously upside is extremely low, but nonetheless, you're still getting targets for a somewhat talented player. DJ Chark, if you want more exposure to that Vikings-Lions game, Chark saw six targets last week, five targets the week before, 4,300, a nice cheap piece uh, in that game. Other than that, I mean, there's not too much that's standing out to me currently at the cheap end, but you're probably going to have to play one or two of these guys. Yeah, that's something I would definitely be checking in on the Saturday night, late night live stream for, I mean, you pretty much named the guys that I would have in consideration. You know, Adam Thielen at 4,900, wouldn't play him and Jefferson together. Like, obviously the spot is phenomenal, but I mean, what do you think about Thielen? What's what's your opinion on him? Because he's kind of looking like he might be chalk, like he might be washed at this point. Like the workload is good. The routes run look good, but he's just not producing in any sort of meaningful way, despite the targets being there and all of the, uh, you know, the back end stats looking good. Price tag is good. Game environment's great. It's just like, can Thielen still get it done at this point in his career? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously washed a little bit. Age is caught up to him. He's like 32 years old. He's obviously like fourth in the team in terms of like touches behind Jefferson, Hawkinson and, and Dalvin. 4,900 good price tag I think that he could be chalk so I like that call um actually now that you say that I do think he will be chalky at 4.9 
just a nice cheap value piece in one of the best games on the slate. So I, I think it'll be chalky, uh, but you can you can obviously get away from Adam Thielen. Like you're probably just going to get like five for fifty. Yeah, I, I think that that probably happens, and you know, nine out of ten times this game plays out. If we get news that Traylon Burks misses this week, which I mean that's probably expected considering the hit that he took. Nick Westbrook Akine, how do you feel about him at four K? Would you consider him or any of the other ancillary Texans wide receivers? Yeah, I mean Woods is. 4,500, Akina is, what, 4K, 4,100, whatever. I mean, that'd be interesting because I think they would both get target bumps, but I think that ultimately, I mean, we'll talk about this for tournaments. I mean, Derrick Henry is the play in this game for sure. Um, this offense is just going to run through Henry, so I wouldn't have much interest in any of these Titans players if uh, if Burks is ultimately ruled out, which we both expect him to be. Yeah, definitely. All right, I mean, that's about it, I think, for wide receiver at tight end this week. Disgusting, as always. I don't really have a lean at this point in the week. Like, I think Greg Dolchich is okay at 3,400. The team is sort of talking him up as, like, essentially just a wide receiver for them, so decent in terms of, like, the projected role, but Russell Wilson is essentially the worst quarterback in the NFL right now, so that feels gross. Tyler Conklin, 3,100. Brock Wright, 2,900. A couple names that I would consider. You know, you got Mitchell Wilcox at 2,700, who played 47% of snaps for Cincy after Hayden Hurst went down. Hayden Hurst is doubtful this week, so we might get, you know, an elevated workload for Wilcox. I don't know. I mean, what's your lean at tight end this week? Everything feels gross, as always. Yeah, I mean... I don't think we'll have Harrison Bryant because Njoku should be back. Um, Njoku at 3.9 is interesting, and I, I think I would rather play him over Dolchich for 500 more, but if you need the 500, I think Dolchich is fine, and he's probably going to be the chalk tight end. Um, Just obviously, the ceiling is so low with this Broncos offense that's averaging like 1.2 touchdowns per game. Like, yeah. the, one of the worst marks in NFL history. Just Russell Wilson is 5,100 against the Chiefs. Uh, who who could have ever guessed that coming into the year? Yeah, that that's that's actually <laughs> insane. <laughs> that's actually insane. I mean, does Russ have a 20 plus point game in his range? Yeah, he had a, he had a 27 spot earlier this season. I mean, hey man, I I might roll one one lineup up just to watch that money burn. But I mean, if it I hits, mean, if it his hits. best his best games have come on the road 15 Mm. against Tennessee in Tennessee 27 in Las Vegas and 20 in Seattle it could happen oh wait oh wait they're at home never mind chalk that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah back to tight end I mean Dolchich looks like he's going to be the chalk I think if you want to go lower Chig Aconquo think that's how you say it Aconquo I think he looks good I mean if Traylon Burks is ruled out he's had five targets in back-to-back games Stu catches a 40 plus yard pass every single week five plus DK points in four out of his last five games should have an expanded role with no Traylon Burks he's only 2700 I think he's definitely interesting obviously it's a little thin but I mean they they got to get somebody involved with with without Traylon Burks right like somebody has to step up and he has like the the profile that you want and you know he's he's the number one trending player on player profiler Ben like he he just goes to show he he has he's 96 percentile 40 yard dash 92nd percentile speed score 69 percentile burst score like he's kind of like a a John Smith-esque tight end and he has athletic ability and I mean, that that's what we want out of these cheap tight ends, right? So 
I don't know. I, I think right now I, I'd, I'd lean uh, a Conquo as as my cash game tight end, even if it's thin. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I really don't. I mean, I, I make thinner plays at tight end every single year, and this would be a, a slate where I'd feel comfortable doing that. I mean, if Cameron Brake gets ruled out, though, Cade Otten at 2800 is probably the stone lock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Um, Akonku did play 58% of the snaps, though, last week against Philadelphia, and a lot of that didn't come in garbage time, to be honest. Right. Um, it just sucks that he's probably never going to be out there from from a blocking standpoint. Like he's not going to be out there on run plays or anything, which obviously will limit his uh snap share. But after their buy, he's been like a forty plus percent snap player this entire season and he has upside, but Kadon, if Cambray is ruled out, will probably project better um than a Konku. So Yeah, I mean just has the upside to get 10 plus targets we saw it on monday and it should be a trailing game script for tampa bay here we'll see how that plays out definitely something we'll touch on once again on saturday let's talk tournaments here leverage stacks and long shots past few weeks the way that the slates have been building is that you know a, a leverage strategy has been jamming multiple high-priced wide receivers in because the majority of lineups have sort of just been one and then finding value and balance at, at the other positions I think that paying up for two high-priced wide receivers will be popular this week, which sort of allows us to flip the build. You referenced paying up at running back as being a potential strategy. So we have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and the big dog. What is your lean here? Do any of those guys stand out to you as as good, you know, positional salary leverage plays this week? Yeah. So first, I just want to say we got a nice little foreman update one minute ago. He didn't practice today. Mm. So nice. Um, mid pod update there but that'll be more discussion for saturday whether or not he plays i mean if he um, misses chuba hubbard 4800 he had 17 attempts in their last game that could be interesting yeah yeah that that would definitely be interesting for sure but we won't have more information until you know saturday so tune into that but i mean if you're not playing Derrick Henry in tournaments this week, like you're missing out on free capital. Mm, tell me more. Tell me more about the big dog here. I mean, it's just D. Hember. He's True. been in. A, he's been in a little bit of a cold streak from you know a yard standpoint, right? 30 rushing yards last week against the Eagles. Kind of gets game scripted out. Has his worst game of the season, 5.8 points. Tough spot. All right. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. 14 fantasy points. Obviously loses that fumble right before he's about to score Traylon Burks I don't know if you saw the video Traylon Burks went up to Mike Vrabel said yo that's on me like I let I missed my blocker mm-hmm. love to see it love to see the accountability from Traylon Burks there but Derrick Henry could have had a 20 plus point game week 11 against Green Bay 25 DraftKings points 87 rushing yards 45 receiving yards a touchdown good game and prior to that he was just on he was just on a, a hundred yard tear. Hasn't had a hundred yards in over a month in a single game. Is there a better bounce back spot than at home as the only competent skill position player on the Tennessee Titans against the team that he is part owner of? <laughs> That's a question. I mean Henry's got his hands on a lot of things. I mean, he's part owner of the Texans, part owner of the Jags. He owns his division. It's that simple. In the last six games against Jacksonville, Derrick Henry has two 200-yard performances. His latest was in December of 2020, where he went 215 and two touchdowns. His last game against Jacksonville, 130 yards, three touchdowns. He has, what, 12 touchdowns over his last six games. He's averaging two touchdowns per against the Jags 
since 2018. I mean, he literally just dominates his team. Now, I don't want to use game logs from 2018 and 2019 to, you know, say that he's a good play. It's a new year, new teams, etc. But the Jags are still one of the worst defenses against opposing running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed. It's D. Hember. It's big dog season. He's under 8K for the first time since week two. It's the second cheapest price tag of the year. Is there another spot to not be in? Or is this not a spot to be in on the big dog? Like, he no, will break I love the it. slate. I, I love this spot. I love everything you're saying about the big dog. You kind of got me on board with you here. I'm just waiting now to see what the ownership is. Because, I mean, he could be a slam dunk play under 5%. I, I think there's a chance that we get it. I don't know if he gets steamed or not. This is something we'll obviously have more information on come Saturday. But I could definitely see Derrick Henry flying completely completely under the radar just based off of recent performance and I can't expect them to project overly well this game looks horrible but for all the reasons that you said I mean this could be an absolute stone cold smash spot for Derrick Henry Trevor Lawrence could miss this game I mean goddamn just goddamn that's all that's all I gotta say in terms of tournament stacks Again, I mean, I feel like something to wait on but one of the three quarterbacks at the high end I I don't think we'll get played. I don't know if it'll be Mahomes, Hurts, or Allen, but I think that one of them is going to probably get overlooked. My my guess right now is that it would be Patrick Mahomes, but I could also see Hurts having little to no ownership. And we talked about this on Monday as well. You know, Quez Watkins dealing with an injury, Dallas Goddard not back yet. Jalen Hurts could be in line for an absolutely elite double stack down the stretch here with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith having a consolidated target share, both players with massive ceilings. This could be a spot where we we just you know hammer an, an eagles double at low ownership that that really stands out to me earlier in the week not just because it it helped me cash on early only last week <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, obviously one of the highest upside doubles on the slate. And and it looks like a lot of these top quarterbacks just aren't going to have the ownership that, you know, they should, in my opinion, with Hurts and, and Mahomes. Mahomes can easily have a spike week against Denver. Obviously, tough spot, bad game environment. But still, from a projection standpoint, I think they'll be okay. So I, I definitely don't mind paying up to quarterback. I think the Seahawks stack is interesting once again. We didn't really talk about that much last week, but now they're dealing with injuries to pretty much every single running back, right? Kenneth Walker's dealing with an ankle injury. DJ Dallas got hurt. Travis Homer was already out for that game last week. Tony Jones got banged up and then they had to bring DJ Dallas back in. Like yeah. he had to gut through the injury just so they could have a running back out there. So Geno Smith, 62. Tyler Lockett is 65. DK Metcalf half is 7.1 good spot at home against Carolina definitely like that a ton my question to you though this is the most important question of this week 14 slate are you playing a big cock Brock stack this week (laughs) big cock Brock I mean I want to be in on him because of the you know just the nickname equity I like it he threw 37 times you know after coming in and relief of Jimmy G. So I like to see that. He played okay. I see a lot of the, you know, the tape grinders like Brock. They think that there won't be too much of a drop off. The pricing on the San Francisco skill players really stands out to me this week. DraftKings bumped that. them all. Debo Samuel. Debo is way too cheap, bro. Yeah, 6,100. He had 10 targets and five attempts last week. I mean, he's an absolute too standout. Cheap. Brandon Ayuk, 5,800. George Kittle, all the way down to 4,300. 
I mean, God, <laughs> like I, I think that you could be onto something. I mean, yeah, I don't know I'm if I'll go it. as far as to play Brock, but I definitely like the 49ers skill position players. I think it'd be pretty hard for Brock to beat guys like, you know, Mike White, Jared Goff and, and Tyler Huntley. But I mean, there's definitely a path and the skill, the, the price on the skill guys is is definitely one of the biggest standouts on this slate on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, he has the skill position talent to elevate his play. You know, 67% completion percentage, two touchdowns last week against the Dolphins in, you know, spell of Jimmy G, starting quarterback, one of the best teams. Obviously, the game environment is the concern here and the total. I mean, it's like the lowest total on the slate, <laughs> the, this uh, Niners and Bucks game. But, I mean, I was going to say Debo Samuel as, as my long shot tournament. Like, yeah. 60 100 is, is just too low for a player of Debo Samuel's talent and upside and ceiling. I, I don't care. So yeah, that he was going to be my long shot. That stands out to me for sure. And, and Kittle, I mean, 4,300 is just too cheap. So I mean, super tournament long shot plays. I, I do like this Niners, um, this Niners stack for sure. Love that. A long shot for me this week would be going back to the well on the Brown stuff. I mean, it's obviously ugly after what we saw last week and, and Deshaun Watson looking so rusty in his first game back against Houston, but he knocked the rust off. At least that's the story I want to tell myself. And he'll come in a little bit sharper in game two obviously facing a Cincinnati team that we expect to put up points if Watson can look a little bit sharper this week I think it's a really good spot to be in on him Amari Cooper cheaper price tag this week 6200 I think you could single stack that or just play it from the Bengals side of things with you know Joe Burrow who I don't expect to be super high owned on this slate I think you can get pretty good ownership on Bengals stuff and bring it back with Amari Cooper that to me seems like a spot to attack like it's one of the games that I could see blowing by the total and and getting kind of overlooked by the public just because there was so much attention on the Watson stuff and he looked so shaky but ultimately we still believe that you know he is a you know talented quarterback obviously and and could get it done I think uh, another game removed from his 700 day hiatus from football (laughs) yeah no I I like that call um I was definitely going to bring him up for sure especially you know, buying the dip on Deshaun Watson, you know, first game back, all eyes are on him and his return to Houston and his accusers being there and just how was he going to perform and just all of the pressure surrounding Deshaun Watson to go out, to go out and perform well. And obviously the rust probably all played a factor into that game. Obviously the, the Browns defense did their job. So didn't really need to rely on Deshaun Watson to win that game, but the Browns are five and seven. They have an outside chance at a wild card spot. This game, is a very meaningful game especially in division it's very meaningful if the Browns want a chance at the playoffs so he's gonna have to play better there's gonna be less focus less spotlight on him a week removed people are gonna stop talking and they're gonna forget about Deshaun Watson within a month um, that, that's just how it goes. Nobody's going to play him because of his bad game. And people are on their moral high ground with Deshaun Watson. And I've just seen people saying they're not playing just for that reason, which is whatever. Like people can do whatever they want, obviously. So I think that you're, you're going to get Watson at little to no ownership this week. I love that call. Yeah. And I mean, God, like any, any time that you can get the Bengals stuff at low ownership, you got to jump on it because they are just such a high ceiling, just access to such a high ceiling. And I don't really care about matchup and it's not like a bad matchup at all. So I'd be, I'd be super stoked to get Bengals stuff at low ownership. We'll talk about that more on Saturday. Any other long shots that you want to tout before we hop on out of here? Nah, I mean, Debo was really my only one that I had. There's not too much that's interesting to me right now, especially at the wide receiver position. 
position. A lot of the cheap guys look horrible. We'll have to wait and see what ownership is looking like for guys in this mid-range. But as it stands right now, I mean, I love Debo. The Brown stuff is interesting. If T. Higgins is low-owned, you know I'm in on T. Higgins at 7K as part of a stack for that game. And the Seahawks stuff is probably some of my favorite tournament stuff with the injuries that they have at running back. I got one more long shot that I want to give before we get out of here. George Pickens, 5K. All right. Squeaky wheel. Squeaky wheel threw a little bit of a temper tantrum after finishing with two targets last week. Mike Tomlin came out and said, you know, he wasn't angry at that. He's like, yeah, you know, I I understand why he feels that way. I think that we get some squeaky wheel stuff. George Pickens had three double digit fantasy point games leading up to last week's disappointment. The Ravens have given up the fifth most yards to wide receiver. I think that the team makes a pointed effort to get Pickens the ball in this spot. He's got the talent. He's got the matchup. Got great price tag. I don't think that he'll get played at a high rate unless like this narrative gets a bunch of steam, which probably won't. I don't don't see that happening. George Pickens at 5K. If he gets you 20, he's smashing everything. Yeah, I mean, squeaky wheel narrative with George Pickens good matchup i don't hate it don't hate it at all definitely i mean if you're trying to run out like a a stack with huntley if you play him in tournaments at all i mean pickens is the bring back that that's all i'll say on that and like a huntley mark andrews stack with uh george pickens bring back telling me that can't bank i think it can i love it oh absolutely love it absolutely love it all right that is going to be it for episode 272 of the dfs dose podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at dose media net as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben hover joey is at joey carrion dfs if you are playing DraftKings seriously this week make sure you tune into our live stream every saturday night 10 p.m eastern you can find that on youtube or twitter if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network join the inner circle via our free discord chat link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.